Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. This podcast was recorded at the annual Alleluia Church Music Conference. In this session, entitled 57, 58, Whatever It Takes, Paul Hendricks helps the novice choose the right microphone for worship and other settings. To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at baylor.edu slash alleluia. We have an outline to go through for microphones. Uh, I, I, I used up my joke on you already. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, how to get your song published. But uh, now this class is on microphones, <laughs> and um, so I, we have a I have an outline to go through a PowerPoint. But in a class of this size, I've been through this PowerPoint dozens of times, so it doesn't help me to go through this PowerPoint. Uh, and if it helps you to go through this PowerPoint, that's what we're here to do. But if it's not helping you, or if you have a question or need some further clarification, then stop, time out, what do we need? Let's, let's discuss that, because at the end of the day, we want to scratch where you're itching. Um, it doesn't help me to just ramble if you're not getting anything. But if you're walking away with something, then it's, it's a win-win for everybody. So, um, so it, I prefer open discussion as we walk the process. So I'm going to give you a textbook definition of what feedback is and then help you walk into that. So uh, feedback occurs whenever the sound entering a microphone is reproduced by a loudspeaker, picked up by the microphone, and reamplified again and again. The familiar howl of feedback is an oscillation that is triggered by sound entering the microphone. The easiest way to create feedback is to point a microphone directly into the loudspeaker. We don't recommend this. Place the microphone, placing the microphone too close to the loudspeaker, too far from the sound source, or simply, simply turning the microphone up too loud exasperates the feedback problems. Other contrib- contributing factors are too many open microphones, poor room acoustics, and uneven frequency response in either the microphones or the loudspeakers. Now, that is a textbook definition, if you will. Uh, at the end of the day, feedback is a loop. What's going out of the speakers, picked up by the microphone, back through the system, how the speakers picked up out of the microphone, and such, at a specific frequency. So uh, that one particular frequency, if I adjust that one particular frequency or if I move the microphone, then it, it takes away that loop. So help understanding that helps you uh, in your audio endeavors. So, um, so that's why we start there, just kind of, that's what feedback is. Let's yeah, talk. Our media team thinks that's a normal Sunday morning. That's, well, you know, I would suggest <laughs> that Hollywood, as a general rule, does. Really? And the reason why, and I'm offended by it, to be quite honest. <laughs> but every time in Hollywood, you know, they walk up to the podium and they touch the microphone, it automatically it always feeds back. No matter what's happening, it always feeds back. So um, that's just that's just the way it is. So Hollywood, because. I, I, for whatever reason, we 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 live with that stigma, of, and I'm offended by it. To be honest, uh, let's talk about microphone techniques, vocal microphones. Uh, I've got a little picture here of how to uh, hold a microphone when you're dealing with a um, a praise team or singers. Um, you, as the leadership, have to help your team understand. 
certain things. And one of the things is microphone techniques, how to hold a microphone. They don't want to hold it up here and cover up their face. Um, you want to hold it like you're eating an ice cream cone. So if you tell them that, it helps them to remember, like I'm licking an ice cream cone. Because I, I don't hold an ice cream cone up here. I don't hold it down here. Uh, ideally, I hold it right here. Uh, if I'm going to mic a electric guitar, uh, ideally I want to point it straight at the component within that electric guitar. Um, oftentimes, not a direct perpendicular, but at an angle. Now, some people do it at a direct perpendicular in the middle of the cone, in order because that's the sound they're trying to get. Uh, but as a general rule, you want to point the microphone at the component. How far do you move it back? I mean, if you get just kind of like an amplifier or mm -hmm. something, you want to. Well, and I would say put it right up on the the, the felt or whatever okay. the whatever the cover is, uh, because I'm I'm a I'm a proponent of close micing, uh, which means I have to do more micing, mm -hmm. but I get a better sound from that. If I've got a room full of them, we've got uh, two, four, six, eight. 24 chairs in here. If I've got 24 players in here, mm -hmm. and I've got a, a couple of flutes and a couple of clarinets and oboes and all the different instrumentation, um, I can do a, a single microphone here and get a composite of the group with the room acoustics, or I can do close micing and I can get a flute one and a flute two, or a, a cello one and a cello two, or however, or just one for the two depending on how I want to do that, but if I close mic, I, I as the audio guy, am mixing the balance between the flutes and the clarinets or whatever, as opposed to the acoustics of the room. So there's, there's two different schools of thought on that, as to how you do that, and depending on what your end result wants to be. I'm a close micing technique uh, proponent, so I, I propose that you, you close mic it, and then, then you have more flexibility to manipulate, do whatever you want to with it. Horns, again, you want to have the, uh, the bell of the instrument uh, open with the mic pointed at it. Uh, piano microphone. I'm, I'm, a, um, I'm a three piano mic, uh, piano micer. Uh, I, one, I'm not a proponent of the PZM type or the, um, the pickup type for pianos. I'm more a proponent of a real microphone. Now, this, this particular drawing does not lend itself to exactly what I would suggest, but it's really close. Uh, I would do a high microphone uh, pointed at the high strings and close enough that I'm getting a little bit of that hammer. I can still feel, hear the hammer, if you will, on the high side. On the low side, I point it towards, get some of that roll off of the lid, and I'm a proponent of using a larger diaphragm microphone for the low and a, a more of a stick mic like is in this drawing. Excuse me for the high. Now, obviously three microphones, that's three microphones you have to buy and three channels on your mixer console. So if you don't have that ability, uh, there are ways to get around that. Uh, but the third is a close microphone. And the reason why I do that is do a high and a low setting, a nice full sound between the highs and the lows in the piano. And then the close, I can just get it loud, if you will. I don't put the close mic in the house. I only put it in the monitors. And I don't put the high and low in the monitors. I only put it in the house. 
So if that makes sense, that allows me just to be able to get it loud enough for the choir and orchestra and whoever needs the piano monitored, but still get a nice, full, fat, clean sound in the house. Where do you place those pipes at? Uh, well, I as far as the uh, you could you could do microphone stands. The um, like the boom stand. The high mic, yeah. Do a microphone boom stand with mic with a high mic pointing in like this, and then a boom stand out here with a low mic pointing out like this, and then the close mic just in the hole. That's an option. Or you can there are clips you can buy to clip it to the soundboard. So you can clip direct, directly to, so you can close the lid or uh, do short stick. I almost always recommend short stick. Um, Now, if if I just if I just have one microphone, if I can just afford one microphone, and um, and for either channels or the microphone itself, then I'll do one at the crook, pointed about halfway in the middle, pointed towards the lowest string. So that way, I take advantage of the microphone itself to get some of the roll on the, of the low, try to get some of the hammers on the high, and point it straight at straight towards the the low string, if you will. You have to thing up. I mean, the uh, low stick. No, I'm talking about the like on the grand. You know, you can prop it up different levels. Or mm -hmm. You normally have it up. That, that's right. When I say low stick, that's what I mean. Oh. I have the lid at the oh, low okay. stick as, the oh, high, as opposed to the high stick. Gotcha. <clears throat> Drums. <clears throat> um. With the, with the electric drums, a lot of times you just have a direct box running the drums. But if you have a real acoustic set of drums, uh, have one on the kick, one on the snare, one on the hi-hat, one on each tom, two for overheads. That's a typical rock and roll type setup. In a rock and roll setting, you're going to have eight microphones on the drum, something like that. A lot of times people will have uh, a, snare, a top snare and a bottom snare. Um, they have two kick drum mics. So that in a rock and roll setting, you're going to do that. Most churches don't don't do that many microphones on the drums. Uh, minimal amount, a kick, snare, and an overhead, or, or a kick and an overhead. I really want to be able the kick and snare are really the the leaders of the group. So I really want to be able to bring those two out, and then if I can group like if if I've got an electric set, if I can get four outputs: kick, snare, toms, and all the cymbals. Then it allows me to give some flexibility to uh, the miking. Kick, snare, and overhead is can work if uh, uh, if you can't do the whole kit. If that makes sense. What if you had just one? Like, if, that was just if I had just one, I would probably just do an overhead, really close, low down towards. Or it's not in the way, but towards the uh, the toms, so, mm -hmm. so that I can get uh, at least a good snare. Uh, ideally, the, the smallest amount you really want is a kick and a mm -hmm. kick and an overhead, maybe, because uh, you you really want to be able to get the kick okay. in it as well. If you only had one microphone, would you want the, the pattern pickup pattern to be fairly wide? Or? Well, we're going to talk about patterns here in a minute, but oh. I, I'm I'm a proponent of using a cardioid okay. in the in the live atmosphere. All right, microphone techniques for the choir. 
Uh, do you have a choir? You have a choir, and you will have a choir. <laughs> so, um, oftentimes, uh, a minstrel musical will call me and say, "We need more choir microphones because I can't just get enough out of the choir." Um, if I were miking these, what did I say? These are twenty-four seats here. Uh, I would probably use two microphones. Could potentially use four microphones, but no more than four. Um, but I've I've been in churches that might have a hundred voices up there and have a dozen microphones, and uh, sometimes less is more when it comes to choir microphones. Uh, there's two different schools of thought. There again, I can close mic like we talked about earlier, to where I can I can mic this group of say six folks and this group of six folks. Or I can back it up a little further and get the, let them blend their choral sound. And but if I back it up further, then I'm contingent upon the acoustics of the room. I'm farther away from the source, so I've got to turn it up louder. Plus, any instrumentation that I have as well is also coming into that. So I'm more of a proponent of close micing the choir as well uh, in in groups, you know, soprano, alto, tenor, bass, or something along that line, where I can do some sort of uh, Mixing at the console um, of those different components, those different voices, if you will. Uh, but at the same time, I am uh, uh, I'm still not I'm not having to wrestle with the acoustics of the energy on the wall or the the drums or the the brass in the pit or those types of things. So, um, are you talking about a stand up on a stand type mic? Okay, well. If, if you'd have been in my class probably four years ago, I would have said you need. I would have recommended a larger diaphragm microphone uh, on a stand. I'm a I'm a big proponent of mics on stands as opposed to hanging. Uh, we're doing a project right now for a church that they they had to have them hanging, and the ceiling is 64 feet, I think, uh, from the from the the, to, the tallest person in the choir. It was everything I could do to try to talk them out of that, and obviously I lost. But uh, <laughs> I'm a proponent of mics on stands. One, they disappear. They're not always there. I can move them if I need to. I'm going to take them away if I need to. But I've got flexibility. If I need to lower them for the kids' choir, I need to move them around because Sister Sue over here is off today, and I need to adjust it a little bit and get it away from her a little bit. Those kinds of things. I'm a proponent of... Um, Mics on stands. Now, uh, four years ago or so, I probably would have told you you need a larger diaphragm microphone because the smaller diaphragm microphones just can't reproduce a good, full, fat choir sound. Well, I, I, I can't say that today. Uh, two or three or four years ago, uh, the Audix brand came out with a product that's called a Microboom, and it's a very small carbon fiber stand. Uh, with a small tip on it that uh, is remarkable. Uh, we have sold dozens upon dozens of these microphones. And typically what I do is I buy four of them and I'll send them to you to try them out. Well, most of those times, you keep them. You say, I don't want, I don't want to send these back. Uh, just send me a bill for them because I'm keeping them. We like them so much. Mm -hmm. So um, we've, we've been fairly successful at that demo model of sending them out and letting people try them uh, because they're a very good quality microphone and I get a good full fat choir sound 
uh, from a smaller diaphragm, they disappear and they're, they're small. So, um, so I changed over the years of um, what works and what doesn't work. So I, I'm a, a microphone stand proponent guy. Uh, if I was just doing stands, I would probably just do two in this room. Um, and, you know, a third, third, up high enough to where this person's not singing a solo and I can still get that person back there. What if you're stuck in a situation where you have hanging mics? I mean, is there any choir placement or as far as moving the choir around? Well, yeah, if, if, you've, got, if you've got hanging choir mics, ideally, yes, you, you have to move the choir around. If you can't move the mic, you have to move the choir around to match that. And, uh, you know, you, you don't have the Barney Fife mic. Uh, you know, you've seen that episode of uh, Andy Griffith where Barney just, he can't sing, and they, tell him, they keep telling him to sing lower and lower and lower. You may be too young to have ever seen that. <laughs> sing that in the reruns. Uh, I'm, I'm barely old. Um, so, uh, uh, but, but everybody has one of those in their corner. Uh, they're very spirited. They love to sing, but they just can't quite measure up. So, with all due respect, you want them to be a part of the program and whatnot, but not necessarily right in front of the mic, because you don't want them to be the leader, if you will. So, um, so you you can assign them seating accordingly and such. So, yes. <laughs> yes. Short answer yes. is yes. <clears throat> Top view of Good, technique, good techniques require mic uses. Place the microphones properly. Uh, that is a, can be a trial and error uh, thing. Um, if, if you can move them around in your situation where they're stuck, then move the people around. <laughs> use the minimum number of microphones. Uh, you don't use, like I said, sometimes you have to have, you have more. Uh, it's been a number of years now. I worked on the Southern Baptist Convention, which is a pretty large event and we'd have in those days we'd have 300 three or 400 voice choirs and a 50 or 60 piece orchestra which today they're not that much different but a little bit smaller and we probably had 12 choir mics on the choir mic on the choir that year and um, and we we uh, we probably had like a row of six and then another row of six or something like that on stands and these were very good quality microphones um, I mean, like five or six hundred dollar microphones each one. So, and the guy that was mixing choir that year, he just he didn't feel he didn't feel like he was getting as much choir as he needed as he could get out of it. And it just didn't feel comfortable to him. So he went and he turned every other microphone off. Well, what it did is it just made the choir seem like huge. It just they jumped out. What was happening was these choir mics were canceling each other out. They were close enough together. But the sound was arriving at the same time and canceling each other out from those different microphones. So when he cut every other one off, it opened it up to where each each microphone was picking up a greater area, and, uh, and it, it made it nice, very nice. So that's why I say sometimes less is more uh, when dealing with trying to mic a choir. Uh, if I've got these 24 seats and I'm only singing 10 people today, uh, and I've got hanging choir microphones. I've got four hanging microphones. I'm gonna turn the two off that I don't need. Uh, those that people aren't standing under, then I'm just gonna turn them off. 
it's okay to not use them. Uh, I know a lot of times audio guys are like, well, we got to turn all turn the choir mics on. You turn them all four on. Mm-hmm. Well, there's only ten people up there. And it doesn't matter. You turn them all four on. It's okay to turn one of them off or two of them off or whatever. It's okay. <laughs> can can you get more gain out of it if you don't have as many? Yes, I mean, exactly. That's what I was saying about the uh, the twelve, and we yeah. cut down to six. We cut every every other one off. You get more gain out of them because they're not canceling so each other. You get, tend to get big things. Yes. So let the choir naturally mix themselves. Um, in my last class, I talked about I can't. If you're singing off pitch, I can't put you on pitch. <laughs> and if if your choir is not listening to each other and singing together as a choir, I, as the audio guy, can't make them sing together as the choir. So that's an encouragement for you as the leader to encourage your choir to sing together. <laughs> if that makes sense. Don't over-amplify the choir. Um, I remember in my early days, louder was always better. Well, louder is not necessarily always better. Uh, sometimes I want to I want to bring up the choir. I want the choir to start out soft and then let them build into something, you know, because every every big ballad song in churches, they don't they don't remember the the ending. I mean, they don't re- remember the middle. All they remember is the big ending. So and if I start out and I've got the choir mics all the way at 10, and at the beginning, I have nowhere to go. I, I don't have anywhere to build up to. So uh, don't over-amplify it. Uh, don't sing at the microphone. Let, help them just to sing. Uh, to sing, not necessarily, I, I, like I said, I remember in the early days I'd say, sing loud. Uh, uh, but not necessarily sing loud. Sing in the natural voice. Sing in what the, what the, the tone you're trying to get. Uh, encourage your choir to do that. And sing in the natural voice. <clears throat> um, hmm. I think my PowerPoint skipped up. Hold on just a second. Oh. Sorry about this. I, uh, oh, there it is. Talk about different types of microphones. All right, a dynamic microphone. A dynamic microphone is a microphone that generates an electrical signal when a sound wave causes a conductor to vibrate in a magnetic field. There again, these textbook definitions. Um, A a dynamic microphone is a microphone that is contingent upon how much sound pressure level I put into it. So a dynamic microphone is good for drums or vocals, uh, because I'm singing close into it and I put a lot of sound pressure into it that causes that magnetic coil to vibrate and creates that electrical energy. Um, a condenser microphone, on the other hand, it, it requires an external power supply, uh, also known as phantom power, that causes that coil to vibrate back and forth. So it's not contingent upon how much sound pressure level I put into it. 
So therefore, I can move it farther away from the source. The external power supply is causing, causing, causing that vibration, and I can still get a good sound farther away from the source. Why does that matter? Well, for a choir, I'm not going to be able to put a microphone up close to a choir in order to get a lot of air movement to cause that coil to move back and forth. So I'm going to want a condenser microphone. Um, <clears throat> typically on a piano, I want to put a condenser microphone on flutes and clarinets and pretty instrumentation. I want to use a condenser microphone. Uh, I always say the dynamic microphone is the male of the species, and the condenser microphone is the female of the species. Um, the, the, the dynamic usually used for things that are loud, drums, guitars, uh, that's rugged and durable. You can drop a, uh, a dynamic microphone on the floor and pick it up, and it's probably going to work just as well. Uh, for years, they used to have a, uh, an ad where they took a, a nail and they hammered a nail with their microphone and it still worked just as well. Uh, on YouTube, Sure has a, uh, a video on YouTube about this, this group of people that took this SM58 microphone and did all this crazy stuff to it, drove over it with the car and did all this crazy stuff to it and it still worked the same as, as before. So that's a dynamic microphone. It's rugged and durable. So would you suggest doing that to you? I wouldn't suggest that. <laughs> Yeah, they did, they put it in the microwave. Oh you know, it, it was it was really crazy. In fact, if we have time, maybe at the end of the class, I'll try. I got the internet in here. I'll try to find it. And it's just a little five minute video or something. Regular, no frills, nothing special. It's just a regular old microphone. The SM58, the silver ball, and that's a, just a regular dynamic microphone. Um, it's not very sensitive. It requires high pressure, high pressure, high sound pressure levels in order for it to operate. Has to be up closer, right? Yes, that means it has to be up closer to the source. So that's just like a regular thing that you would just normally sing in. Yes. Sing in church. Yeah. Okay. Most of the time, yes. Okay. Now, a condenser microphone is the female of the species. Usually used for things that are smooth and rich a piano, a choir, a podium, not necessarily that I've got to get up on and I'm going to, give up, I'm going to cause a lot of air movement in order for it to pick up. It's not very rugged. I don't want to drop it because there's electronics in it. So those electronics can break and not work. Uh, it's more semi, more sensitive than a dynamic microphone. It cries easily. Twice the female. It costs more, obviously, why it's the female. <laughs> Requires extra effort. Like it's the female. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the 48 volts is a phantom. Yeah, I, <laughs> I know. I'm outnumbered here. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about pickup patterns. Uh, first of all, God created all microphones to be omnidirectional. Well, what does omnidirectional mean? What does the word omni mean? All. all, exactly. So an omnidirectional microphone, the pattern is all the way around. If this is my microphone here, for an omnidirectional microphone, my pickup is all the way around. Most microphones are what's called a cardioid, and that's an upside-down heart. Like a cardio, your cardiovascular system is your heart system. So the pickup pattern is an upside down heart, which means, I'll draw it on the board. I think I have this in the PowerPoint too. We'll find it here in a minute. This is my microphone, the pickup pattern. That's a cardioid. This is my microphone. Ooh. 
That's an omni. Omni picks up all the way around. A cardio it just picks up here. So which means if I hold it here, it's picking up just as much here until I and it gets less and less and less and less and less to where here it's not picking up at all. And this is where the cable end of it is. Does that make sense? So um, do you all remember when you were kids that you had this thing that you, you blow it up and then you put your hand inside it and grab hold of it and you used to hit your brother with it? It was just this big blow-up thing, and it was all the way around your hand. Well, I, I was at Toys R Us the other day, and they have this Incredible Hulk uh, fist that you could put your hand in the Incredible Hulk fist and do the same type thing. That's 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 the way I envision this the pickup pattern on this microphone is it's all the way around 360 degrees, but it's and the null or the non-pickup is right here at the bottom of it. So that's a cardioid microphone versus an Omni. So, in the beginning, God created all microphones to be omnidirectional. <clears throat> he gave them to Adam and Eve to use for the praise team in uh, the Garden of Eden for praise and worship. Satan, the sound man, <laughs> asked Eve why they couldn't touch the monitor tree. So, Satan convinced Eve to, to try the monitors to be like God. And what happened? Feedback occurred. Feedback occurred and Adam and Eve ran off into the woods because they had omnidirectional microphones. God heard the feedback and saw their sin. Of course, Adam blamed God for allowing women into the praise team. Of course, Eve blamed the sound man. Imagine that. Adam and Eve were driven from the garden of good sound to the wilderness of the gym. And God put enmity between the praise team and the sound team. That's still going on today. Still suffering that today. Satan the sound man was condemned to a life of running snakes on his belly through attics and crawl spaces. So now that you've had... Oh, and then Satan invented the cardioid microphone to allow for monitors. So so allow for our sin, he created the cardioid microphone. God gave the cardioid microphone handling noise and proximity effect, the wages of that sin. So handling noises, a cardioid microphone uh, has more handling noise. I, I can pick up a cardioid microphone and it, and I can hear it, hear the, the movement of it, versus a condenser microphone doesn't have as much, uh, I mean an omnidirectional microphone doesn't have as much um, handling noise of it. Proximity effect on a cardioid microphone, it, it accentuates the low frequency. It causes the low frequency to sound really deeper than it really is. And that's called a proximity effect because of the proximity of the, your voice to that microphone. So uh, that's just a fun little way for you to remember that uh, the different pickup patterns, omnidirectional and cardio. <clears throat> omnidirectional, we talked about that. There's a drawing of our omnidirectional microphone. Picks up equally in all directions. The cardioid, it's an upside-down heart. It picks up greater at the front. That way, remember the picture earlier I had the, uh, the vocal microphone is like this. Because of the cardioid microphone, it's picking up greater here than down like this. Does that make sense? Definitions, omnidirectional microphone that picks up sound equally from all directions. A unidirectional microphone. Cardioid is a unidirectional microphone. It picks up in one direction. And then gradually tapers off, if you will. Cardioid is the most common unidirectional. Shaped like an upside down heart, thus getting its name cardioid. Oh! 
See, somehow I, I messed up these two. Uh, I, I com- combined these two PowerPoints into one. So, just some mixing techniques. Because uh, uh, to talk, we can sit here. We, I, I can't sit here and talk for a whole hour on just microphones. <laughs> so, we thought of some, some mixing techniques to help in the audio perspective. Get there early. Sound man should be the first man there, first one there, and the last one to leave. Stay late. Uh, be prepared. Know the order of service. Be ready to go at all times. In this group, you guys are the leaders. So, it's, it's a good for you to encourage your team to help them with these. The, the guys that are audio guys, nine times out of ten at your churches, are left brain, list takers, things make sense, things are logical and in order. So if you give them a list of things, they're going to follow that. So that's that's helpful. <clears throat> be prepared, know the order of service, be ready to go at all times. Cue tapes. We don't have tapes anymore, do we? Not many. Most pla- most places don't have tapes. Tape Did you? Wow. Well, he brought a set tape to I'm singing a song. Yeah. <laughs> Listen first. Um, I always, during soundcheck, walk up to the stage and listen to what's going on up there just to understand what's happening. Work with what you have. That's what we were talking about about your hanging choir mics. Sometimes you have to, if you understand, okay, well, this is what I've got to work with. What do I need to do? How can I make this better? Well, if I'm moving my choir people around. Uh, expect excellence in every presentation. Um, I've heard it a lot. Well, it's good enough. I hate that term. Um, it, it, need, it needs to be excellent. Check all the mics uh, multiple times. Uh, I, was, uh, I was on staff at a church for several years back in the early 90s. And... They had old VHF microphones that were, uh, in those days, were the best that was available, but they were pretty terrible. Nothing like they are today. And um, and I'm a fanatic about checking the pastor's mic, uh, making sure that the pastor's mic works. And so uh, the pa- I checked the pastor's mic several times. Well, some at some point during the choir special, because you know the choir, I know every good Baptist church choir sings before the pastor gets up to preach. So um, sometime, somehow during the choir special, I checked the pastor's mic again, and it wasn't there. And it, something, somehow it had gone out, it had died, something had happened. Well, I, was, I realized it without the pastor getting up and his mic not working and making this big ordeal. I realized it before he got up to speak, and I was able to cue up the talkback microphone into the monitor speakers and tell the, the minister of music that the pastor's mic is not working, give him the handheld to use instead of his lapel. Well, you know, there was a little bit of a, okay, the ministry music got it, got the handheld, handed off to the pastor. And there was a, so there was a little bit of mis- mis- uh, confusion there, uh, but not near what it would have been if the pastor got up and started talking and his mic didn't work, and then it, it would have been a much worse. So I say that to say, check the mic. I'm, I, was, I was always a fanatic about making sure that the pastor's mic is on. Um, I do a lot of work for the Billy Graham organization now, and I've over the years I've been doing I've been doing work for them for 14 years or something. And over the years I've kind of grown into where now, like we did in a big event in Baton Rouge this weekend. I don't do all of the all of the big events. I do the smaller. Uh, I follow Franklin around and just make sure everything works for for his stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know, no matter it doesn't matter what else is going on in that program. If Franklin's mic doesn't work, we got a problem. So, uh, so in the same thing in the church, 
it don't matter what happens. If the pastor's mic, when the pastor gets up there and preach, if it ain't working, something's wrong. So I call it that's the money mic. That thing got that thing's got to work. So um, and, and I was just talking to somebody last night. We were talking about that about the pastor gets up to speak. The pastor gets up to speak and about. Uh, two lines into it, his mic's not on. And about two lines into it, it they realize the button was off, and it, all of a sudden it jumps out, and it's this huge uh, distraction. And so <clears throat> that's when I told him the money mic story. It's got to be the money mic's got to be up. It's got to be on, and it's you got to be on with that one. So check all the mics. Speaking of the the media team, is there is there any good way to? Try to. I mean, I've told them and I've told them, but they, sometimes they seem to forget. They're not paying attention, or something happens. Somebody picks up a mic, and you know it's not on, and they talk for a little bit, and all of a sudden it's done. Is it, I mean, is there any particular way encouragement you can? Well, I, I am a. Um, you know, I teach and have taught for years. Uh, keep the number of open mics to a minimum, which means if I'm not using the mic, turn it off. Most of these guys that volunteer in churches, that are church sound people, are very left brain technical types. So if they have a checklist, they're very good. Uh, it's when things are different or they have to think outside the box is when they, it becomes a challenge. They're there because they're behind the scenes type people. That's the way God made them. They're not, they're not to be out front. Don't recognize them from the podium. None of that kind of stuff because that's not who they are. That's not their makeup. So if you can make a list, a specific order of service, what's going to happen, all that kind of stuff, they're good. They can follow that most of the time. Now, if they're not paying attention, if they're goofing off, that's, that's a different problem than what we're talking about here. But if they have a bullet point, this is what's going on, they follow that very well just because that's their makeup. That's the way... God made them. So as much information as you can give them, that helps them to be successful. Um, when there are challenges like that, that something new comes up or um, a, a difference, it's not on the program, uh, that's when it becomes, and it becomes your challenge, should, your mission, should you choose to accept it, to encourage them to understand they're as integral as part as a part of the program as anybody up on the platform. Because at the end of the day, everything that takes place on the platform filters through them. So if they're not on their game all the time, everybody knows it. And it affects everybody else's ability to worship. So that's a training, a regular training, because um, did you do you have kids? Mm-hmm. So when you were raising your kids, you know, you have to tell them over and over and over and over and over again. It's human nature. That's the way we are. So as um, as the leader of the ministry of the organization, you you got to just encourage them and challenge them over and over and remind them. It's like on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. They they're what they do is very important. And if you value that, uh, the guy I was telling you I was talking to last night was talking about the pastor would get up there and say. Oh, those sound guys or whatever, and just make some kind of wise comment that is is kind of sarcastic y and, and I said, Well, I would challenge you to encourage him not to do that. Because that's not good for the long term relationship. And uh, if you add value to those people and help them to understand the value that they are playing in the service, 
they'll take it a little more seriously. Most of the time. And if they're not, they need help in the parking lot too. Yeah. So go serve in the parking lot. If, if you can't take seriously what we're doing here. So um, that's my challenge to your, uh, my encouragement to your challenge there is, uh, and, and I teach a class one day this week, I don't remember what it is, about relationships. Uh, God made musicians and technicians totally different. So um, understanding those differences and being able to work within those differences and come together and make a team, a unified team, uh, is huge. So, um, preview to come to the next, come to the other class. <laughs> I think it's called Sandbox 101. My, my situation is, a, is similar, but a little bit different. I come from a, a theater and in, in uh, orchestra and um, you know big choral background, uh-huh. um, and I and, and um, I come to this church. It's a wonderful church. It's a very old traditional church. It's not used to miking very much at all. Mm-hmm. Still mics the pastor and still mm-hmm. mics the lectern and still, you know, mics the choir every now and then on something, certainly when the children's choir comes in, that kind of thing. But um, but I'm looking to kick it up a notch because I want to be able to put somebody up here and somebody in the balcony and somebody over here and maybe we're doing a speaking thing. Maybe there's, you know, just a little bit of... Um, new and innovative and creative stuff, but I haven't been able to do it yet um, in, it with, with actual sound. Um, but the thing that I'm facing is because of that traditional, because it's all it's been kind of lackadaisical, it's sort of been, well, you know, it's been okay to just kind of slide it up, and if we miss the first ten words, that's okay, you know. We just kind of glide it up, we don't want anybody, you know, we don't want to be loud when he starts. And, and I'm I'm just more like, okay, let's put you over here. We're hiring you to do this. It's not a volunteer. So let's just let's just say you probably need to be hired somewhere else and we need another person in here. Or or I mean and and that's after months of really of trying to build this you know, building relationships but trying to say this is this is where we're trying to go with this. And um and I'm I'm just that's why I'm here. I'm struggling. <laughs> I've never had. Always sound has been for me. You know, just there've been. It's been great teams, and they, you know, they've been just like this. And and um, if we need, you know, whatever's needed, it's it's sort of been there. And so I've never really had to delve down into the to the deeper pockets of this. But but looking to take this whole church to a different level is is where I am. So it's, it's a very difficult process. That's kind of where I'm at because we've got a broadcast. We uh, we broadcast over cable every Sunday morning, and we got a room up here with all our broadcast people, and they've been there for years and years and years and years, and you know they're kind of stuck on the way they've always done it. And you know, well, if you mess up, it's okay. I mean, I've kind of got that mindset, you know. But it's all volunteer, and it's really hard when you when you got volunteers that you can't, you know. So it's. Those things you have to go through, I guess. <laughs> I'm not sure if there are answers to that, other than I mean, it just it's it, you have to do it. One, the answers are in the class that I'm going to teach. So on, one day this week. So really, <laughs> I think really, it's Thursday. Would that would that be a good? Um, I would suggest to you that you know I teach last last I taught fundamentals of audio last class. Uh, this is on microphones. I think tomorrow I'll teach a lighting class and a projection class. 
Uh, Thursday, I'll teach a relationship class, and then I'll teach a uh, soup to nuts class. You know, it's whatever anybody wants to talk about everything. With, with these small groups, it's easy to do those whatever you yeah. want to talk about. Um, but I would suggest, of all of the technology classes that I teach, um, I would suggest the most important class I teach is the re- relationship class. And um, the reason why is because, as a general rule, the technicians that volunteer in that sound area or in the technical area at most churches, that's their bent. They don't want to be up front. They don't want to be, that's, that's who God made them. And so they are comfortable in that, and that's their comfort zone. And oftentimes, um, well, there's two, there's two challenges with that. One is they're not very creative. They're not the creative type people. So for you to sell an idea that I want to do this, you've got to put it on their level in terms of they can understand. So that's what I mean. your, your <laughs> understanding is you can see this vision, but you've got to be able to sell it to where they can see it. And they can catch it. Because, like I said, they're very bullet-pointed. They're very left-brain, logical. Things make sense. Things are in order. Now, they can't deal with the fact of... I've heard stories for years of, okay, uh, the, the Mr. Music comes in five minutes before the service and gives him a stack of CDs and say, okay, we're doing number two here, number four here. And they can't deal with that. But I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you talking about Sandbox? Sandbox 101. Okay. But I do know that. I used to travel with these weekend conferences, and uh, and that we would all day, all day on Friday we would go in and rehearse, and Friday night we do this big worship conference or worship concert, and then Saturday everybody would teach. Uh, I would teach technical classes. The drummer would teach on drums. The bass player, uh, the guitar player, uh, the vocalist would teach on vocals, and then in the afternoon the band guys, the drummer, the bass player, the guitar, they would all come together and teach a class together, kind of an open forum called How to Play Together. Well, I being the consummate, I'm making fun of the musician, we called it Sandbox 101, learning how to play together. <laughs> so uh, so that's, that's, why, that's why I've changed over the years. I've changed my relationship uh, seminar to call Sandbox 101. Let's learn how to play together. <laughs> So uh, we didn't even we didn't talk about wire. We only have about five minutes, but we didn't talk about wireless microphones at all. Uh, one thing that is something to keep in mind with the advent of high definition television and the new reallocation of the 700 megahertz. If you have wireless microphones in the 700 megahertz bandwidth, those essentially are not usable anymore. I mean, they are. There's hundreds of thousands of systems out there that are still working today. That, but technically, you don't own that. You don't own the ability to operate in that frequency band anymore. Hmm. What that means is uh, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, has said, okay, of the wireless frequency band, um, this is to be used for cell phones. This group is to be used for home telephone use. This group is for CB radios. This group is for this. This group is for that. So all of these groups of frequency ranges are allocated somewhere. Well, for years, there was from 720 to 805, I think it is, that was not allocated anywhere, which means we as low power systems can operate within those frequency ranges. So that's called a white space. It's not allocated for somebody to use. So we, 
our manufacturers within our industry would, would manufacture equipment to work in those white spaces. Well, the, that 700 megahertz area now is allocated to public safety from, from the FCC. So your local public safety, your police, your fire, your emergency vehicles, they all can use that 700 megahertz frequency band for their use. So what's going to happen? One of, one of several things might happen. One, you might be in the middle of the service and you're lo you might hear your local, you might hear some talk, conversation from your local uh, on, your, on your frequency coming over your PA system. Well, they own the rights to it because the government said so. Uh, two, they may just cause your system not to work. Their system may be strong enough and it's causing, it's throwing off some interference that it's causing interference with your system it might not work. Three, worst case, your system interferes with their system. They realize it and they come in to shut you down. So because they own the rights to it. Most likely that's not going to happen because the systems that we use, they're designed to, to not be far-reaching transmission. It's short, trans, small transmission. So, um, but it's something to be aware of that at the beginning of the year, there was a lot of hype of, oh, everybody's got to go buy new wireless mics because of this new 700 megahertz allocation. Uh, we really don't know the repercussions of that yet. The reality is it could be years. It could be next week. The, the allocation has been made, and it's open. Uh, July the 12th of this year, so just a few days ago, it opened up to where now 700 megahertz is specified for public safety. So anything you use in the 700 megahertz range is subject to being stepped on or you stepping on them or not working. So it's something good to keep in mind. Just a challenge. <laughs> the church I grew up at um, was probably within half a mile of Interstate 20. Mm -hmm. And I can remember, I don't even think we had the wireless microphones. I think it was just in our sound system, but it was somehow picking up CB radios. Mm -hmm. Because all the time it would be like, Breaker 19, you always hear these little conversations and then it'll go away, you know. Mm -hmm. but, <clears throat> Well, systems have come a long way since then. Yeah. And if your system is wired correctly and grounded correctly, then you shouldn't have any problem like that. Uh, as far as wireless goes, almost nobody operates in the VHF band anymore. Yeah. Uh, so either on CBs or wireless microphones. So uh, that's not as a common occurrence as it used to be. Um, sometimes you can get a, um, a Mexican radio station that... Uh, because they they ride that that fine line of of their how 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 widely broadcast they're able to use and how far they do and um, so sometimes you you might have a problem. I've got several churches that well, I've got a church in in Georgia that has the transmitter for a, a station on their property, so mm -hmm. it's a, it's a challenge uh, to to but it, it can be done. Like I said, nowadays electronics are such and Equipment is such that um, you don't have those kind of problems. You have political problems of, um, you know, the there was a huge deal before Congress earlier in the year because the, the little white spaces that we can work in now, there's some 500, some 600, uh, no more 700, but in the 4, 5, and 600, um, Google and Microsoft are trying to buy up those frequency bands so that we have one allocated spot. Right now we have several. We have one allocated spot that we can work in. 
Well, FCC's argument was, okay, well, these other spots, we've tested their equipment, and it doesn't interfere with your, your audio equipment and things like that. Uh, but that's their testing. When our audio companies did their testing, it did interfere. So it depends on your level of expectation. And so, you know, we deal with a lot of political junk like that nowadays. Uh, technology is continually growing, and you know, the, the, it'll, it'll be right. We have, a, we have some challenges here and there. But, like, I attend a, a huge church. And the church I attend, I don't make it there much. But when I, when I get there, it's 7,500 seats um, in the main worship center, and then they have a, a, what they call the chapel, which is 2,500 seats. And, uh, and they have two services in the chapel and one in the big, big room. So there's 10,000 people on campus there on Sundays. And, um, and they've got maybe 40 systems in the 700 megahertz uh, range that need to be updated. Uh, and they are like many others that are just kind of riding that fence to say, well, we'll do it when we have to do it. At this point, we don't have to do it, so we're going to wait. So... <laughs> Any other questions, thoughts, concerns? Over the ear mics, mm-hmm. um, what are the what are the, the best ones that are out there now? <sighs> well, Countryman was kind of the originator of that, the E6, and for years we sold a lot of Countryman microphones, and then. Every week, we're sending off Countryman microphones to get repaired. So we switched from a Countryman microphone to another brand, a point source. We still sell a lot of point source microphones. Uh, the, our, how many we're sending back rate went drastically down. Well, then Countryman realized, well, most of the time, the problems in the repair is in the cable, not necessarily the microphone itself. So they created this little connector it allows the cable to connect to the, the ear set so that if the cable goes bad, then you just replace the cable for much less expensive than having to replace the whole thing. Because before it was just all one piece. Unfortunately, the point source and some of the less expensive units like that, you know, you, like we have one that we usually sell special for like 180 bucks at, the, uh, at, the, at shows like this. And I've got a, a thing out there at the table that says $179, you get this. The challenge with it is it's one piece. So if it goes bad, you've got to replace the whole thing. The Countryman's more like 380 bucks. So, but if it goes bad, you replace the cable. The microphone doesn't go bad near as often as the cable does. So there's a lot of them out there, though. Um, a lot of one-ear types. Um, well, one-ear versus the over two ears, what's the... I mean, I, you're still working with the microphone, but we I, we just bought seven for our grandpa. I, I wasn't involved in the purchase of it, but they're they were for the children, and they're um, it's a group thing they're doing, and, and um, they're very flimsy. And mm-hmm. They they just don't seem to be. Well, you can you can mold them. Most of them you can mold to really, and they need to be molded. They need to be molded to be used. The challenge with the one ear is it's difficult. You know, everybody has different sizes of ears and different shapes, and so it's you got to make it and mold it for that one person. And over time, you know, they mold and bend and mold and bend and they break, and and so that's the challenge with with that type of thing. Uh, the two ear, uh, they stay on much better. Uh, Audix has a two ear that runs in the three hundred dollar range, that 
uh, Franklin's son, Will Graham, Billy's grandson, uh, I have a two-ear that I ship all over the world for him to use, that he won't use anything but that two-ear. So, um, and, and it goes over both ears, but and it's a nice, it's a, a beige color, so it blends in. Um, the two-ear is easier to stay on than the one-ear. Uh, the one-ear is much more popular. There's much more product on the market of, of the one-ear. Is it cheaper? Uh, typically, yes. It can be yes and no. I mean, it, it, the the one ear rank go well. You could buy one ear anywhere from $150, $180 to $400 a two other, ear. The other thing I've seen is um, I'm just thinking of this is there there are different sizes of the little the little microphone that actually goes here. What is the? I've never asked that question, but is a smaller size create a more finite sound, larger size? Well, yeah, or is there when they first came out, Garth Brooks wore that, the big honking thing out front. <laughs> and and a lot of people still call it the Garth Brooks or the Britney Spears. Because both of them kind of, they kind of pioneered that that microphone. Well, that's a different microphone than is on the market today that most people are using. That's the, the beige color that comes inside. Yeah, but I'm still talking about that, the one that comes here. Mm-hmm. Are there... Are there not um, two or three different sizes? Yeah, well, there's there's a handful of manufacturers out there. Oh, yeah, that's what And every manufacturer is different. And so uh, they're just manufactured different sizes and look, and that's really it. Okay. So a little different from the Garth Brooks or Britney Spears. Yeah. Are they a um, cardio? Cardio. Yeah, you can buy it as an Omni or a cardio. Oh, you can get either one. I recommend a cardio it all the time. I recommend not using Omni at all in a live environment. You can do Omnis for recording, mm-hmm. but. This know, has been great. Well, good. Thank you. Any thoughts, questions, concerns? Let's see. Tomorrow. I think I have a lighting first thing in the morning. Yeah, lighting at 8 o'clock in the morning. I don't know who scheduled that. But they asked me if I want to get up and come here at 9 in the morning. And then I do a projection at 4 o'clock. And then Thursday... Well, I don't have an 8 o'clock Thursday morning. Thursday... Um, Thursday's that... Um, Sandbox class, nine fifteen. Okay, so hey, nine fifteen. Yeah. Have the nine fifteen sand, sandbox one on one, and then I have a four o'clock of. Uh, what do you have? If you ever been to the varsity in Atlanta? You know, say what? What do you have? What do you have? What do you have? Oh yeah. That's where that came from. So, what do you have? Yeah. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you and uh, yeah, I was gonna give you. Here's my card. Do we get a microphone? And uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, my card and just a little information on our company. If we can help you in any way, email is really good for us. I, I travel a fair amount, but I always Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Center for Christian Music Studies at Baylor University. 
To learn more about the Alleluia Conference, visit us online at www.baylor.edu slash alleluia.